Hello and hi, welcome to another Slice of Sci-Fi. I'm Summer Brooks and with me today is director Gabriella Calperthwaite, whose new sci-fi thriller ISS is in theaters January 19th from Bleecker Street Productions, Bleecker Street Studios. And I am a huge sci-fi fan, obviously, and thrillers is my my next wheelhouse. So when the two meet, I become excited. And this movie is it hits all the right buttons. It hits all the right thriller buttons. The the effects for life in the space station are uh believable and from what I remember seeing on certain broadcasts very crowded and very messy because humans are dirty messy people. And this movie is very tense. So thank you, Gabriella, for giving us something to chew on. Thank you so much. I'm I'm so excited that you're sci-fi and thriller because um, that's just very cool to, for you to think of this film in both of those ways and, and think the film, you know, dapples in both of those genres. Um, but yes, I'm I'm so excited to be with you. Well, first, let me ask, what was it about the script, the story that grabbed you, that made you say, I need to make this? Yeah, I think it was, I think it was taking the idea of something like uh, a movie, like a space station movie, you know, which is sci-fi. Those aren't the scripts that are coming my way, usually. And so having the ability to play in that wheelhouse and to be in, you know, um, be in kind of a sci-fi genre and work in a kind of this aspirational world where, you know, you know, you're not grounded completely on this planet, literally and metaphorically doing that, um, that new genre, but, but bringing to it some of the stuff that I do feel like I've done in my past films, which is kind of like, you know, humanity, um, you know, drama, interpersonal relationships and character studies. And so like, and really just sort of a character driven narrative. So kind of bringing like some of what I do in the past to some of what I've never done was the exciting challenge on this one. Um, and I think Nick Schaefer's script is just so cool. The building blocks were there for this like cool thriller. And I felt like that was just so excited, exciting in a way where I just read it and was like, I can't believe someone hasn't thought of this before. And so like the plot was there, you know? And so it just gave me kind of, you know, the, the cornerstone um, on which to just be able to, you know, explore character um, and explore, you know, whatever, whatever other human, human authentic um, thriller tenets that I could. Um, So um, so yeah, it's a combination of all those things. Well, to give people a brief uh, yet spoiler-free overview, this story takes place as two American astronauts are being flown up to the International Space Station on a Soyuz module. And they are joining a team, uh, one commander, one captain who is American, and three Russian scientists, Russian cosmonauts who are already there. 
and tensions are high on Earth between the U.S. and Russia, but hey, science must go on, right? And while they're up there acclimating themselves to their experiments and to each other, shenanigans on Earth ensue. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> I like it. I but like it. Shenanigans. Shenanigans yep. ensue. And we we get to see how these people interact. They are in a very tight living space. They are interdependent upon each other for survival. They have to trust each other. But their governments are literally fighting each other on an escalated scale. And they've been told to take over, to ignore the other team, to subdue the other team, to do what it takes to gain control of the ISS for their government. And trust and doubt and a little bit of paranoia, even a little bit of greed steps in and watching these people try to grapple with being scientists, being friends, mm -hmm. and having the words of their leaders on earth echoing in their head, literally causing cognitive dissonance and watching them struggle to deal with that, the, the interpersonal nature of these characters' lives in that cramped space fascinated me. How, how did you approach getting them to that level? Yeah, um, I think the, you know, the story, it's exactly what you're saying. You know, it's just our, we're watching people come undone, people come untethered, um, fomenting distrust. I mean, this all... None of this stuff happens, right? None of this stuff happens without a directive from below. So that's like left to their own devices, right? This all goes rather well, and it has for decades. Like the ISS, the, the interpersonal relationships there between Russians and Americans and Italians and whatnot, they, they've gone really well. And so like it only comes apart when conflict, war, nationalism, the system comes into play and tells them and tells them those people up there are not your friends. Um, and, or, or the reason why they're not your friends is because we're telling you they're not your friends. And so like, it's just, it's such a very obvious parallel, you know, for what goes on in war and conflict anyway, and just how dehumanizing it is. Um, in terms of being able to bring out that, you know, in characters, I think everybody got it, right? Like they read the script, they understood we talked extensively about like really just the nuance that I wanted out of, out of certain characters, you know, and, and out of all the characters um, and that it was just sort of going to be no, no one is completely trusting, you know, that's not, that's, you know, it's really, I don't know what age, you know, we, when we're, when we're little, I don't know at what age we lose that, you know, but like, but, but people can have distrust and that can be fomented further 
but you know they they understood the fine line of like when do you become someone you don't even recognize you know um when how far how far do you go right with with executing a mission that you don't quite believe in and you don't really that just it goes against everything that that you know you believe in and every and, and the person that you know yourself to be so those were the kinds of things that I wanted them to play with in their heads and I think they just all came about it um really uniquely and and quite beautifully you know there's people who are duty bound right like this is what the country tells us and this is what we do and if we don't do that and if everybody didn't do that it would be anarchy you know so like we're mission driven and then there are people who aren't like that you know we're like wait a second we're friends you know how what what you know this is this makes no sense on a dna level um for us so really giving each character the ability to find their own way into that was um was one of the exciting parts i think about sort of prepping for these roles i'm i'm curious were were there any rewrites to any of the dialogue because the confusion with some of the characters there their orders are counterintuitive to their ability to survive in space. I mean, how do you survive without the help of everybody? And just the confusion that you could see, the the struggle, the internal struggle, how do I do this? Can I do this? Was, for me, uh, just a joy to watch. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, yes, there were um, definitely uh, scenes that I that I put in that I thought based on reading Endurance by Scott Kelly or talking to our NASA consultant, Garrett Reisman, um, some some scenes I wanted to have in there. Um, and so that was like the mice um, scene that was not originally in there. Um, there was like the, the Winds of Change, the Scorpion song, um, put that in there. And, you know, the, the, the overview effect what it's like to be in the cupola and look at the world, like that, the sleeping pods. I mean, there's certain things that I was like, we need to feel what it's like to be up there um, and, and base that. And I based it basically on past astronauts who have spent some time up there and kind of their recollections. So there was that, but there was like a lot of looseness that I wanted to give all of the actors. You know, we, we to a large extent had guard, major guardrails in terms of really where we had to be, how, you know, where we had to go in the scene and essentially the, the information that needed to be communicated. Um, couldn't really play with that, right? Because we have, first of all, Nick, Nick Matthews and I shot listed every single second of the scene. So, you know, we ne needed to know everything about how to shoot the thing because of, because of the machine, basically, because you have to move the walls of the pod, you have to fit the cameras in, you have to do the lighting and and then tether all these actors and have them hanging like marionettes. And all of that has to be choreographed. So there was an extent to the looseness, right? But we we still, I still felt the characters and the actors themselves, I still wanted them to feel real. And I still wanted them to come at things authentically. And so they played a little bit within the confines we gave them they would they would play and a lot of this stuff some of my favorite stuff is them coming coming up with dialogue themselves and thinking about how to you know what to say and how to say it in the 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 coolest possible way 
and uh, and some doing that themselves was was you know is is kind of something I brought with all my films. It's kind of one of the cross cutting things that that cross cuts all of my films. But it was really fun to see it in this context. <laughs> you you mentioned uh, the book Endurance. Were there any other uh, books by astronauts that you referred to, or were there books that the actors referred to? in order to get the the movements, the feel of being in space right? There was a two billion YouTubes that every actor watched constantly. <laughs> there was so many interviews with post with former astronauts, you know. Um there were um dating all the way back. Like there's so many, so many YouTubes and so much video. Um it's so really a lot of it came from that. We watched interviews with people. Um I think the science right? None of us really knew what any of that was all about. So like some of the science up there and just um, what what it means, you know, even like the, the spacewalk that Commander Gordon, Commander Garrett goes on, like that had to be explained to me in so much detail of like what is going on out there and what are these, what are, they, what are these panels doing? And there's just so much stuff I didn't understand. So I think the science eluded every single one of us, but but the experience of being a human being up there, that's what everybody gravitated towards. Um, and so I, I would say more than books, it was interviews that people would rely on. I mean, I read books, but, um, you know, I think in terms of of who to be up there, um, I think they all leaned on endurance quite a bit. Um, I actually think Chris Messina might have read more just to really understand the commander part of things. Um but it was it was a lot of like looking at visuals, you know, looking at visuals and listening to people who had been up there. How long did it take everyone to get used to the the harnesses being able to move without, you know, flipping around or or looking like you're on a crazed carnival ride? Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, they never physically got comfortable. I will tell you that they're so uncomfortable. Um, they're tethered, their harnesses are so tight and um, they're tethered, you know, to the gantry and moving in these crazy positions. Um, and it's all core strength all the time. So um, they're really uncomfortable. So after a while, we'd have to get them out of them and, um, and just give them a breather. Um, but in terms of just the physicality, I mean, you just, you know, we would do some takes and like they would, the stunts team was, was incredible, led by Peter King. And um, was just sort of like, you know, this is, this is the scene. Here's exactly how you're going to move. And like, let's just give you a, a, some chances, give the stunts team some chances um, to get you there. And, and like, let's do it together. And then, and then we'll shoot. So they had a few chances, you know, to try to get the movement down. Um, and, and then we would start rolling. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just like, it was, it's just, it's harder than it looks. Um, and so it was, it was very, it was very challenging and, and, you know, couple that with being completely uncomfortable, um, the entire time. So it was, it was one of the more challenging aspects of it for sure. How long did all this take to film? We had, I think it was 32 days. Um, it's still an indie film. It's on an indie budget. It was 32 days on a stage in North Carolina, like we didn't have the wherewithal and the resources to like have this enormous 
big budget space movie. Um, and so it was like, it kind of, you know, took us by surprise just how much, how hard it is to do zero gravity and how many VFX shots there are. You have to be painting out. I mean, there's no, it's no wonder people don't do more zero gravity movies. We kind of learned the hard way because you're, you're in, you're in post for, for years, you know, trying to paint all the tethers out and everything. So, um, yeah, we didn't, we didn't have too much time, um, to do it. So yeah, we can't, we're still pinching ourselves. We can't kind of can't believe it that we actually have a movie, you know, because there was a, there was a moment there where I was like, is anything, is anything we're doing working? Like, this is so, this is so strange and daunting. It's so out of my wheelhouse. Well, for me, what you did worked. I liked how you're, you get used to the claustrophobic nature of the space station because, you know, you've seen the videos, we've seen, you know, the broadcasts, but the situation that they, they find themselves in, the closeness mm -hmm. of the quarters, I think, adds to the pressure they're under because you can't get space, mm -hmm. you can't get any privacy. Everything's on video, every corner is monitored somewhere. And they can, you know, you, you feel watched, you feel yeah. too close the entire time. And I think that added to, uh, the tension, at least I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. That was the idea, right. Is just making sure you felt, you know, you know that they're in a pressure cooker, but for you to yourself feel like you're in a little bit of a pressure cooker too, um, and feel the walls closing in, like, you know, balancing that feeling I want to give audiences with just not wanting to make you sick not wanting to make audiences feel queasy. That's kind of what we were, what we were struggling with. But yes, the idea of like, you know, I don't want, I, you can't, there's nowhere to hide in the space station, you know, and you want that to feel real to an audience. So when, when you were, getting, I guess, pre-production, getting this made, were you approaching this as a science fiction film with a suspense aspect, or were you approaching this as a suspense thriller, oh, we and we happen to be in space? Right. I mean, I think, honestly, I felt more like a suspense thriller that we have, where we happen to be in space. Like, I love, I love space movies. I love, like, you know, one of my favorite sci-fi movies is Arrival. I just think that's so beautiful. But what I love about it is like, like where it's taking humanity, like what, what's happening to human beings? Like what are, when you see this alien, it's, it's so kind of like this emotionally evolved thing. So for me, it all has to go back to hum to humanity and sort of humanness. Um, and so like, I didn't really think of this as like a sci-fi film. In fact, I think sometimes so a lot of sci-fi can be kind of aspirational, you know, and it can be really clean lines and it can be just really metal. And, you know, like I wanted it to be messy. I wanted this to feel human. I wanted this to be like a bunch of humans trying to make something work in this crazy setting, in this Petri dish that happens to be in space. So um, it's more that, I think, yeah, I never know quite what genre. I think it's probably more that, more like a thriller drama that takes place in space than it is kind of like a conventional sci-fi film. So what uh, 
what do you have on your plate next? Are you going more into sci-fi or other genre or back to uh, documentaries? Yeah, I mean, I have a documentary called The Grab coming out in June, um, but I don't have anything on my plate as of now, some stuff I'm looking at or attached to, but nothing nothing that's really going. So I don't know. I don't know. I think um, I would love, yeah, to, it's, I'm sort of genre agnostic, you know, and I think I just would love to try something that I haven't done um, or say something that I haven't had a chance to say you know, in a, in a new sandbox, all that's exciting to me. Um, it's always just story dependent, story and character dependent. So when you're, when you're looking at uh, scripts that come across your desk, are you looking for character first or setting? Oh, definitely. Uh, de- story, story first. I can work on characters, you know, and you can, you can make that, but you, it's, it's usually story and then character but setting is huge to me. Like, you know, like, again, this is like, I got a chance to just educate myself on this thing called the space station that I can't believe I didn't know more about. Like as a kid, I should have, I I would have loved to have known some of this stuff, you know, been taught some of this stuff so much earlier. So I could have watched it and looked for it in the sky and, and followed it. Like, just like, you know, it made a whole world accessible to me. Um, and so, so that is so exciting for me. It's why I do documentary also, you know, like I like to embed myself in a world. Um, so setting is very important, but I think, you know, you can't, you, you need a story, you know, you need the story is, is number one. And, um, and I want it to feel real. And when you want something to feel real, you have to, you have to, it has to be character driven. Like the characters have to be believable. So Yeah. Tall order, tall order, but um, yeah, happy to play in any genre if they'll have me. Well, I am, for one, happy with the way you approach, I guess, the appreciation for the story you're working with. And I I would love to see more indie sci-fi from anybody I I there's there's not been enough of it and you know to be honest I believe that uh the the lockdowns affected a lot of people's ability to tell stories that weren't somehow based in horror and I say Mm -hmm. that as a horror fan (laughs) but I also need my sci-fi you know oh yeah well I I think it's it's really cool to talk to um, women in sci-fi and women who are interested in sci-fi. Like, I just think that's, I think that's cool. And I did, you know, of course they're fans and all this stuff, but they tend, they tend at least in my experience to be more men. And, um, and it's really, I like that women are understanding this film, for example, in, really deep ways. And I think that there's just something about this genre that speaks to all of us. I think it's a genre maybe that in the past people found intimidating. Like you need to be just, you know, you need to have split an atom before you can really understand, you know, aspirational science. And like to think that that you like the indie version and that I got a chance to, you know, make this sort of, you know, the character driven version or whatever of this small film um, is, is super exciting. I hope that the, 
you know, genre opens up to a lot of people and I'd like, you know, more people, more people see these types of movies um, than, than, you know, just the pure sci-fi fan. You know, I hope what I, I sort of just hope more people maybe just take a liking and see a portal of entry into sci-fi as a result of, of, you know, um, this type of film potentially. Um, and as you're saying, as indie sci-fi, you know, where you don't need a skillion dollars uh, to be able to tell a cool sci-fi story. I'm, I'm hoping for that as, as well. Um, is, is there any place where folks can, I guess, follow you online to, to keep track of whatever it is you're working on next? Sure. I mean, I think I, I got an Instagram account. I don't do too much with that, but I will. <laughs> Maybe I have smart people telling me what to do with it than, than I do. Um, but I'm, yeah, I've got, you can follow me on that um, Twitter account and all that stuff. But like, yeah, I can, I, I announce, I'll announce new stuff probably on Instagram um, when, uh, when, when something kind of surfaces. <laughs> As uh, someone who is uh, greedy and selfish for behind the scenes stuff, Instagram is a great place for behind the scenes uh, photos. And um, if we can convince Bleecker Street to put out a Blu-ray uh, creator commentary, I live for. I absolutely adore creator oh, commentary so tracks. Cool. Oh, that's so cool! All right, I will. Let, I will. I will. Whatever. March it up the flag and uh, let people know and if you if you need me to email somebody about it i will just let me know <laughs> okay okay That's very cool uh, yeah I, I always forget about those i forget about those but they're so cool oh. creator commentary tracks behind the scenes uh making up featurettes I, I i adore them to no end great that's great to hear all right i'll <laughs> let people know well, Gabrielle, I want to thank you so much for your time today. Of course. Thank you so much. Thank you for the op the opportunity to talk to you. That's director Gabriella Copperthwaite of the new movie ISS, a new sci-fi thriller from Bleecker Street. Should be in theaters and other venues on January 19th. Go check it out. It is it is an enjoyable very tightly paced film. I enjoyed it. I believe you will too. Again, Gabriella, thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. And we'll be back with more Slice of Sci-Fi right after this. Escape Pod, the free science fiction podcast brought to you by Escape Artists. I rippled a welcoming cadence of light beneath my skin, and then, seeing the newcomer was human, made my best approximation of a smile. Welcome to Helixer Transgalactic Lounge. Each week, one story told well. She should have never come back to this God's forsaken junk heap of a space station. But she couldn't help but miss it when she was away for too long. From the most astonishing and visionary storytellers of the genre. But because time is a trick of the mind, it can be hacked. And we have gotten good at it. We had to. 
Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or find us on the web at escapepod.org and on Patreon under EA Podcasts. Hi, I'm Aaron Ashmore from Sci-Fi's Killjoys, and you're listening to Slice of Sci-Fi. I like this movie, (laughs) ISS. I do. I like this movie. There's a compactness, a tense uh, anticipation pulling you through. And there becomes a moment where you're not sure who to trust to do the right thing because the Russian astronauts got their orders, the American astronauts got their orders, and you see some hesitation on both sides going, wait, are we really going to do this? And the progression of that tension is delicious. So if you get the chance to go see ISS in theaters, I say do so. If if you're a fan of of thrillers in compact spaces, stuff like uh the submarine scenes in Hunt for Red October or uh Crimson Tide. I'm trying to think are there any other tight Space station, I guess maybe gravity has that that claustrophobic feel to it in some spaces. Either way, if you like that sort of tension with your space-bound adventures, I think you'll like this one. I did. So how about you? Do you want to see more thrillers in space? Call in. Let me know. The number is 602-635-6976 or shoot me an email, summer at sliceofsci-fi.com. You can come on by the website, sliceofsci-fi.com and leave a comment in the discussion section for this episode as well. You can listen to Slice of Sci-Fi on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Player FM, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple or through Podchaser, please consider leaving us a review or a rating over there. Let folks know you are enjoying the show, and maybe they should check it out for themselves. We are currently on YouTube, Blue Sky, and Twitter, at Slice of Sci-Fi over there. Uh, Actually, on Blue Sky, it's at SliceofSciFi.com. So uh, come join in some conversations over on those social media sites. We have a little fun with uh, not just sci-fi, but horror, comics, thrillers, action movies. A wide variety of entertainment niches. I'd like to thank everyone who's currently helping to support Slice of Sci-Fi and all the various shows and websites we have here in our little corner of the genre discussion arena. If you'd like to add your support, the place to go is patreon.com slash sliceofsci-fi, 
where you can pick a tier, any tier, and become eligible for perks. Every month, I pick an email address out of the proverbial hat, and that person gets to choose from books, DVDs, Blu-rays, 4Ks. A lot of review materials I get here are pretty, pretty nice stuff. But I can't keep it all. I just don't have the space. So supporters, listeners, and fans of the show get dibs on some uh, pretty cool stuff. You can also donate through PayPal, paypal.me slash sci-fi summer. Or you can support by shopping through our affiliate shop over at sliceofsci-fi.net. We have uh, books, movies, uh, the occasional soundtrack where your purchases help support our efforts here. So, again, thank you for all your support. It really, really does help keep things uh, online, active here. And uh, we have a few more projects hopefully coming online very soon that uh, we think you'll enjoy. But that'll do it for this episode. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with more Slice of Sci-Fi next time. Take care. Mm -hmm.